welcome to The Marriage Project. You're listening to Faith FM and you've tuned in with Bethany and... Chapo, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that applies to real life. And this afternoon, we are excited to be with you again as we talk about vulnerability in marriage. Vulnerability in marriage. So, we're going to talk about the first ever marriage and we're going to talk about what is vulnerability, that we actually need it. And how to create a safe space in your marriage as well. Yeah, right. Do you think it's a problem? What? Like the a lack of vulnerability in marriage? Is it something that you have come across in your studies or with people that you know? I think that a lack of vulnerability can be a problem in a lot of relationships, most relationships, not just only a marriage relationship, but even in your work relationships and in the places that you go, because when you're not vulnerable, you're not being your true self and you're not showing up as your true self. Yeah. 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 And to sh- to do the hard things, you have to show up as your true self. So vulnerability, because I know that sometimes vulnerability has been seen as something that is not a positive, you know, like mm. you don't want to show your whole self and bear all of the ugly stuff that's going on inside. But vulnerability is also about being real and showing up as the person that you truly are. And I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but there's also that direct correlation between vulnerability and joy. Your ability to be yourself and your ability to experience true joy are really important. So, mm. yeah, maybe and- we'll be able to talk about that later. And sometimes when you think about vulnerability, you, you do definitely perceive it as being weakness related. Um, like you think about like if you're a hacker and you're trying to make your way into some software, you're looking for a vulnerability so that you can get in, oh, right. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when we talk about relationships, it isn't a weak spot. It's actually the place where we let our strength come through rather than that we let weakness come yeah, in. Cool. Yeah, cool. So did we see vulnerability in the first marriage? We do. So shall we? just jump straight into scripture. First of all, I want to ask you, what do you know about Genesis chapter 1 and 2? Oh, a bit. A little bit? Yeah, a little bit. What's it about? Like, it's actually really awesome that if you sit down and you open the Bible and you read it from its first pages that you come across Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 because it's it's easy reading and it's also really powerful stuff in there. So, well, what I know about it, for starters, it's called, the book is called Genesis. The word Genesis means beginnings, and the first three chapters describes the beginnings of all things, including life, including uh, love, including sin, including a whole range of things. So, it talks about beginnings. It's also interesting to note that those first few chapters are written as part of a beautiful poem. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That describes the majesty and power of God through the things that he's capable of doing. Now, because it's a poem doesn't mean that it's not credible. Lots of the Psalms were beautiful poems and songs that spoke about very true things about the nature and character of God. So, it doesn't discredit it to say that it's a poem, but it was definitely written in the form of a poem about how marvellous God is, the one who can create all things with so much um, intention and love and wanting to see his image in his creation. Mm, absolutely. And um, the other day you were talking to me about how every superhero has an origin story, like where they come from and what their roots are and what the beginning is oh, and yeah, how they did, got yeah, this yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I was just like, did and, I say that? Yeah, yeah I did, you yeah. did. And, and I was thinking, like, it totally applies to this. Like, when we look in Genesis as a human being, we're getting our origin story. Where do we come from? What are we here for? Um, what are we supposed to be like? What's the problem with the world? What does God really want? How does marriage yeah, look? Yeah. So How does the relationship between people look? How does the relationship with the, between God and a person look? Yeah. So, you yeah. get their backstory of love. You get yeah. the backstory of marriage in Genesis 1 yeah. and 2. Yeah, and cool. a lot of things like how do, we, how do we relate to the earth? How do we look after the earth? Um, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
So, so it's, a, it's a super important part of the Tell us about it then. All right. Would you like to read or do you want me to read? I can read. Okay. It's a big chunk. <laughs> I can read. You can read because you went to school. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18 to 24. Sure, no worries. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper as his partner. So, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to the to all cattle, to the birds, the birds of the air. Oh, hang on. I've jumped around. To the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. And 24? Oh, and 24? Yeah. And 25, actually. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Yeah. So, when we talk about marriage and the marriage that we're striving for as people who believe in the Word of God and who are followers of Jesus, the original marriage is this story that we've just read. And that's what we always take back to sort of like the base or the um, the ideal that we're always striving for in marriage because this is marriage before sin was invented, before death was invented, before sickness and sorrow and all of the ugly things that we see in this life, before separation from God. So, this is the best, the ideal for marriage, the yeah, original cool. for marriage. Yeah. Yep. And everything else is like a, a copy and we're on the other side of that. All right. Yeah. Hey, what do you think is the intent of God? And, of course, we can never know because we're not told. But have you ever thought about what was the intent of God of forming Adam from the ground, but forming woman from the rib? Whereas he could have just gotten on his hands and knees and molded up some more dirt and breathed life into it again. But instead, he chose something different, totally different way of bringing about life. Mm. What do you th- have, you, have you ever pondered that? Um, I believe he also made some of the animals from Earth as well. No? Um, that's a lie. <laughs> I was like, nah, no. Because I know that, um, when it says that, um, like the, that God made the man from the dirt, like that his name is Adam, which means dirt, dirt or earth. That's right, or yeah. Earthling. Yeah. And then the woman is made from the side of man. So it's like taken out of the side of him. Yeah. And I love that when it talks about how, um, like that, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, I love that when it talks about, um, that she's um, a helper to him, or this one said a helper as a partner in that scripture. Sure. Um, the word is Eza Konegdo, and that's two words there. One is Eza, which is helper, and then the other, which is Konegdo, which is like opposite to or in the face of. So it's like somebody who is there to help and somebody who is opposite to or in the face of yeah. him. So it's like a partner equal to him or a yeah. helper equal to him. But not exactly the same. Yeah, cool. yeah, which is cool. Yeah, that's cool. I just like I've I've heard people say that like woman was actually the like the human being two point like, like oh, do you know what I mean? Like, like as in like, like better or yeah, better. Oh, okay. Yeah, like next like, level. Next level. You know, like you got the you know like everyone's waiting for the new iPhone. Kind oh, of thing. like I didn't know where you were going model. with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. He threw me. 
Awesome. And I, I love that when he first sees her, he's like, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because he's seen all of the rest of creation. And as God's brought them before him, like he's seen every single animal and he's noticed like that one's a boy and that one's a girl, that one's a boy and that one's a girl, that one's a boy and that one's a girl. They go together. Yeah. But I've only got the boy bits and there's not a girl one for me. Yeah, right. And then when he finally sees her, he's just like, finally. One that's like me. Like, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and also, because he's used to naming, so things were brought before him, and he'd be like, hmm, a cow. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> a dragonfly. You, you know, like like naming these things, but then he sees woman, and he can't just give her a name. He has to sing. Oh, like, is, yeah, because it's a song? Because it's a song. Because yeah. it's, again, it's another part of poetry, and he bursts out into this, like, elaborate, like, declaration. He might have been hopping around on his tippy toes as he made these pronouncements, like, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and and that's a different, again, like, that, that she's called, he says, this is woman because she was taken out of man. Like, this is... It says this is Ish Ah because she was taken out of Ish. Like it's like she's that other part of who I am. That's she's right. meant for me, which is really cool. But the part that I really want to get into um, is in verse twenty four and twenty five, um, because verse twenty four and twenty five are the template for not just Adam and Eve's marriage, which happened in the garden, but for all marriages. Because it says therefore, so it's not just talking about. Adam and Eve, or the first two people, it's saying, just like these two people, this is what's expected when a marriage takes place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's saying, therefore, a man leaves his father and mother, clings to his wife, they become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Because it's the origin story. It's the story. It's like creating the the formula. Yeah. So you've got this whole story of the, the two of them and where they have come from and what they are here for and how they have found one another and how God has created them for one another. And then it says, just like these two, so marriage looks like this. Cool. A man leaving his father and mother, a man clinging to his wife, two becoming one joined together. And then the part that I want to talk about today that has to do with vulnerability is that they were naked and unashamed. Well, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about being naked and unashamed after the break. So uh, stay tuned here on Faith FM. In this world there is trouble, but you bring peace. I find it on my face, yeah, on my knees. In my darkest of hours, I will call your name. When I'm weary and broken, in my weakness I will pray. I need Jesus, I need real love. I don't need another fancy thing What I need is you yeah. On the tallest mountains In the highest place On my greatest of days Yeah, oh, it's all grace when my joy is overwhelming, still I call your name. Staying desperate for you, Lord, I will sing it out again. I need Jesus, I need real love. I don't need another fancy thing, what I need is you. I need Jesus, I need real 
this night I'll call upon your name When all the world is right Still I will seek your face And in the sun or star There's nothing I want more Than you Oh, than you Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. And this afternoon, we are talking about vulnerability in marriage. But before I go any further, I need to make an apology. Um, because that's what you do when you're teaching God's Word and you realize, hang on a minute, i got to go back and, and do a recap, right? I was so wrong. And that's okay, because I freaked out because I thought I was right, and then you called me out on it, and then I was like, oh, and then I just totally, like, for the rest of that segment, was just like, I need to Google this. I know. <laughs> so, I said that um, I believed that the animals were created out of the earth, and Chapa said, no, they weren't, and then I said, okay, it was just Adam, but turns US, out Genesis oh. 2.19 says that the animals and the birds were formed out of the ground. And we even did a quick Hebrew search. And, and the Hebrew the also says that same ha-adama. That's right. And Adam is called Adam, which is Adama, which is the word for earth. Yeah. But the difference is that God gets down and breathes life into Adam and That's he comes alive difference. that way. So, so he has mind, the spirit of God in his yeah. nostrils and is, is breathed life into him. Yep. That's the key difference. In my mind, I had separated the idea of that it was Adam only who God had gotten down on his knees and formed from the dust, you know, but it wasn't. The key difference between man and the rest of the animal kingdom is the breath of life or the spirit of God that was breathed into the nostrils. So that was my mistake. That was me not being as familiar with the text as I thought I was. That's okay, because that was actually like, I'd always made that assumption as well about the Bible, that it was just the man that was made from the dirt, but it actually was the animals as well. And I only recently, like this year, last year, figured that one out as well. So, we learn as we go. And that's the beauty of scripture as well. Like, I've been a believer for a long time. I'm still learning and I'm still growing. And it's okay to sometimes say, I was wrong. I learned a new thing. Yeah. And And it also highlights the fact that so often we read the Bible and we read the Bible, but we don't go slow enough to actually see the big things that stand out. And maybe more so even in the New Testament where we're reading different things, different letters of Paul and different things that he has said to churches, and we just gloss over it without actually taking the time to dissect it and interpret what that truly means in the life of a believer and how it applies and what a massive deal it is to say something like this to these people and, um, yeah, how radical some of these things are. So, anyway, my mistake. Very true. All right, so 
Back to vulnerability, which is what we're talking about today. And we're going to be talking about what is vulnerability and why we need it and how to create a safe space in our marriage. And so we're looking at the end part there of Genesis chapter 2, where it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. What does that mean to you when you read that, that they were naked and not ashamed? I remember like when I was a kid, like I went to a Christian school and I found that part in the Bible and we had our own Bibles in our desks and we used to like find it and giggle. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's a little bit like, haha, they were naked in the Bible. Um, but what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to be naked and unashamed? Uh, you have to contrast it with the idea of nakedness throughout the rest of the Old Testament, when nakedness was often associated with shame. Um, naked was, nakedness was often paralleled with sinfulness as well. Hmm. Um, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so, yeah, for, so there's times where people are seen naked and it's it's to their shame that they are seen in that state. Correct. Yeah. 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 And that's why there's often a contrast between being clothed and being naked as opposed to um, being covered with the righteousness of God and with Christ and things like that. So, yeah, I think that, that for a culture and by the time that they got this writing of Moses, some of that stuff was already well established, that there was shame in nakedness, there was Mm. association with negativity, but here you've got a place where nakedness is not shameful. Mm. You've got a space where even in other places where nakedness might be something that is frowned upon that is is not right for for people to behold, you've got this space here where it's actually, it's somehow good. Mm. It's somehow the opposite of shame. It's somehow the opposite of sinfulness. It's actually something that is really cool. I love that. It's and I guess when we create in our marriages a place that is cultivating a place where you can be naked and not ashamed, that we're recreating what Adam and Eve had in the garden as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's really that's cool. cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think it also is connected to the idea of being known by somebody and knowing somebody fully as okay. well. Elaborate. Um, so... I'm trying to remember in the Hebrew off the top of my brain, which word is it? Is it yada? That's the word that is knowing? Correct. Yeah. So, when it talks about um, the two becoming one flesh, when the the man and the woman become married here in Genesis chapter 24, it talks about them knowing one another. And it's not just a physical knowing, but it's actually an emotional and a spiritual and a deep connection and a deep knowing of one another. Okay. And I think that that has to do with not being ashamed as well. Because when we know someone and we are fully known, then we don't have shame as well. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because shame is almost that part of us that we hold back because we're worried of judgment or of, of being seen in, in the wrong way. Yep. So, th- yeah. there's, a, there's, and I think there's multiple levels of vulnerability here and multiple levels of nakedness as well. Because there's- the, Within the Adam and Eve relationship? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also that we can apply to us. There's the literal, actual nakedness, as in being a human being without clothes on. Yep. Which as well can be quite confronting to be- To behold. To, to behold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, but particularly if you're someone who has had body image issues or someone who, you know- I'm, I'm, I don't look the way that I looked when we were married. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And to still yeah. be okay in my real skin in front of someone. But also the being naked in the terms of not covering up our deep fears and insecurities and not um, putting on the same mask that we feel like we need to put on in front of other people. Yeah, so that's both. Yeah. And I believe that in terms of marriage relationships and in terms of intimacy, that Intimacy isn't just that physical connection, but rather that when we have that deep knowing of one another, when we have that vulnerability together, that we're actually providing a 
a firm foundation to have that physical intimacy as well. And you need to have both to be growing in love in your relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And there's been so many books written on, um, I guess, marriage, sexuality, and from a Christian perspective as well, that talks about the direct link between emotional connection and emotional intimacy and emotional openness and vulnerability that leads to a much more fruitful um, sexual intimacy. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't think we can talk about intimacy and vulnerability without talking about a lady called Brene Brown. Um, Why is that? It's number one because Because she's one of my favourite ladies to talk about. Um, And I highly recommend reading some of her books if you – I was going to say – Daring Greatly is a great place to start. Um, she also has a bunch of stuff on her website and a couple of TED Talks if you're a bit more on the I-don't-have-time-to-read side of life. And a Netflix special as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's also – it's because she was the person who brought the concept of vulnerability and shame to the forefront yes. of, of our generation. Like, I'm sure other people have written on it before. I'm sure she's not the first person to – but you know, to bring it in front of people, but probably for our generation, she has really done the best research and made it accessible to people in a great way. Yeah. And that's the thing as well is that it's not just something that she's talking about. It's something that she's got a whole lot of research to back up as well, which is really wonderful. For sure. Um, So, she talks about um, vulnerability and she says that it's the feeling that we get during times of uncertainty, risk, emotional exposure. It includes times when we're showing our feelings, when we're not sure what people will think, and times when we really care about something and people will know that we're sad or disappointed when it doesn't work out. Okay. Yeah. So, you need vulnerability, but it's also, it feels like weakness when you're standing in it. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you think about that, particularly if you need expression to it. of it, yeah, absolutely. See, I, I've like I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging here, but I feel like I'm a little bit of a seasoned uh, vulnerable. Vulnerable <laughs> is that a what would the term? word be of someone? Because because that vulnerabilitous vulnerabilitous. Because earlier, particularly when you work in our profession as 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 pastoral leaders, as ministers in the church, early on, in I felt immense pressure that I had to look a certain way, speak a certain way, but most importantly, have my life together to a certain extent that I was capable to be that person that people expected me to be. And I think after going through some of the crises and traumas that we've been through in our life, I just don't care anymore. Mm. I'm just like, you know what? God has called me to minister, Mm. but he called me, not some version of me that I'm pretending to be, the real me, and that real me has been through some horrible stuff, and so have you, and probably will continue to, and- that's who I am. <laughs> like it or leave it. Yeah. And and the other thing as well is like when you show up as yourself fully, then you're allowing other people to show up as themselves fully as well because nobody – like, you know, if you go into church spaces and you're looking for God but you come across a whole bunch of people who are just putting on fake smiles and wearing nice clothes, you're not going to feel connected spiritually to any of those people. So, it's super important to be vulnerable and to be your true self when you're showing up because you're a spiritual person, even though that's hard to do. Especially that we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a broken world with broken people. And if we take seriously the fact that our mission as believers is to bring more people into God's kingdom, that's like that's our mandate. That's what Jesus left us with before we return to heaven. Then people, people won't stay if they walk into our room and don't see anyone like them. Yes. And how often do we put off things because we're not perfect at it or we're not awesome at it? 
as well. Like I was just thinking about even like with what the work that we've been doing on the marriage project, like sometimes I don't feel like sitting in front of this microphone because I don't feel like our marriage is in the best place to be sitting in front of a microphone from. Yeah, for sure. And yet God has put on our hearts to support people and to talk about marriage. And some of that is beautiful and some of that is less beautiful. But we talk about it anyway and we show up anyway. Yeah. There's been times where I've been really excited to sit in front of this microphone to share like about our marriage. And there's been times <laughs> where I've sat here and felt like a bit of a fraud because <laughs> we had an argument on the way in the car and, you know, like <laughs> things aren't going great and our finances are falling apart and we can't agree on something that we're... Uh, to do with parenting the kids, like, but it's who we are. It's yeah, real. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I know sometimes you feel like, oh, maybe we should write a book of, like, what not to do instead of, like, what to do. But I'm so glad that we've got scripture to help us to have that prototype of what to do because sure. don't look to us. Look to what scripture says is better for your marriage. I agree. Mm. Faith FM has a brand new live show each weekday morning straight after the breakfast show called Tassie Encounters. Tune in for fascinating discussions of history, science, faith, and personal encounters with Jesus. Tassie Encounters, live every weekday straight after the breakfast show on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Marriage Project. You're tuned in to Faith FM and you're listening to Bethany and Chapo. We're talking about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life on The Marriage Project. And before the break, we were telling you that um, maybe you shouldn't be listening to us because, <laughs> because our marriage isn't always fantastic. Don't be deceived. But we're talking about vulnerability today. We we're talking about keeping it real and why it's important in life and in marriage. You need vulnerability to have courage. You need vulnerability to do hard things. So, how do you show courage in marriage? What does that look like? I've got a list here. Yeah. I don't know if you've got any off the top of your head. No, I don't. I want to go, go to your list. All right. So, here we go. I feel uncertain or unsure about something that I want to do, say, or try, because I don't know if it's going to work, and I might feel sad or disappointed if it doesn't. Okay. Hmm. Can you relate to that one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that whenever I'm, like, trying to be on an awesome path for, like... Okay, here's an example. I'm studying a couple of subjects at uni this semester, and I've been like, do I even tell people that I'm studying, or do I just keep it a secret? Because that way, if it's a secret and I fail, I don't have to tell anybody that I failed uni, and it was actually a really hard thing to do as a mum and a wife and a pastor. Yeah. 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 Um, now you've told everyone on the radio. I know. I always have this problem where I confess things to you guys. Um um, the next one is, I want to do something that I think is brave, but other people might think it's dumb. Yeah. Mm. And the other thing I'd like to think about in that perspective is, like, if other people think it's dumb, I'm going to be okay. But if you think that it's dumb, if the people who are important to me think that it's dumb, that cuts deeper. Yeah. Yeah. That that also gets me thinking about all the people who have done stuff and I've thought that they were dumb for doing that thing. <laughs> When really it might have taken them a lot of courage to actually get to the place that they're given something new a try or a new way of doing things or a new style of ministry or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So that was a little bit of a rebuke to my heart. It goes both ways, eh? Yeah. Mm. Um, I want to try something new that makes me feel uncomfortable or awkward. Yeah. Mm. And that I think that is um, actually something that's really important to talk about in terms of your sex lives, married people. Yeah. Um, it's really important to be able to say, I like this, I don't like that, 
I want to try this, I don't want to try that. This makes me comfortable, this makes me uncomfortable. And if we can't have those conversations, then we're suffering in silence. It's really important. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it can you can easily make you feel like, oh, if I talk about this with my partner... I'll be rejected. They'll be rejected. Mm. And then um, maybe it's better to just not say it. Mm. Or, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think that's probably been one of the most vulnerable times that I can think of in marriage is when we actually are talking about, you know, in our sex life, what, what's working and what isn't. Yeah. And being open absolutely. enough to, to do that. And Yeah. But sort of like carrying on and trying to hit an invisible goal isn't helpful either, is it? That's right. <laughs> Um, which I guess that's the beauty of two people coming together. You know, God doesn't give us the gift of sexuality on our own. He gives us the gift of sexuality with the other person that we are married to. And we have a lifetime to work out how to do it together and how to love one another well and to respond to one another's bodies and one another's emotions. Yeah. yeah. Um, telling some telling someone when they've done something to upset you. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny when I do premarital counselling with with people. There's an activity that I do, and I ask them to describe. They have to make a list. The first list is tell tell your partner three things that you want more of in your relationship, and that's usually easy. Like it's more time together, more one more quality time, or it might be more um more spontaneity. Yeah, or, so it's yeah, a bit more cute. It's, like, a, it's a bit more cute, cute and they have fun and they smile and then I go, okay, that was great. The next thing I say is, okay, the next list is three things that you want less of in your mm. marriage and that immediately you see, you can watch their face as you say the words and they shut down because they know that there's Quiet. stuff. They know there's stuff that they have not been brave enough to open up to their partner yet for fear of rejection, for fear of hurting them, for fear of so many, you know, different things that ways it could go mm. but it's so much harder and sometimes people can't get to three or sometimes they've got more than three <laughs> like, but, yeah. but it's it's really difficult to watch them and this is people who aren't even married yet yeah terribly afraid to voice the things that uh they feel like is hurting their relationship or that frustrates them about the other person or whatever it might look like yeah and because you know you've you've chosen this other person to spend your life with you don't want to hurt them and you don't want to be hurt by them. But at the same time, saying nothing doesn't actually help either. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but it goes the other way because we've been married 12 years and, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to say the things that, <laughs> that we want less of. Like, like <laughs> Oh, it's actually fascinating, actually. Um, less some- snoring. <laughs> less not doing the dishes when you said you were going to do them. Yeah, stuff like that. That's, you could say those, rattle those off pretty quickly, I'm sure. Yeah, well, one of the things that researcher John Gottman has found in some of his marriage research is that couples that are coming towards the end of their relationship see the worst in the other person and the best in themselves. So it's like, I can point out a list of 10 things that you do wrong, but I am really great to be married yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we, our, our mind and our negative thoughts actually override reality. That's correct. Yeah. And, but also just the idea that, uh, you know, in, in early days, it's easy to think, oh, the stuff we want more of. It's hard to say the stuff we want less of. The longer you're married, it's easier to sp- pinpoint all the stuff you want less of. But are you still thinking, oh, what do we want more of? Like, what can we mm. do to keep making this thing better? What, you know, as a family, as a, as a unit, as we've got young kids now, but soon they'll be teenagers and then they'll be leaving home and then we'll be on our own. And what do we want that to look like? How can that be great as well? Do you know? Do you understand where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, like think about yourself as old people and what that's going to look like when you're in that stage of yeah, life. But yeah. also that flip from where it's easier to say what I want 
more of and not what I want less of to mm. later on in life where it's easier to say, oh, these are the things that drive me nuts that I'm sick of in our marriage. But are you still, as a team, working on the things that, you know, you're dreaming of, the dreams mm. to make this yeah. thing better? And dreams are so, so important to talk about. And we've talked about dreams before. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, sharing something with somebody that is personal about yourself and you would normally just hold it back. Mm. Mm. And that's the thing as well. Like you and I chat, we've been married for... 11, is it 11 years? Coming up 12 years this year? Is that right? Yeah. It's like, December, it's 12 years. Is yep. that maths? Okay. So, <laughs> um, there's still parts of me and my history that maybe you don't know and vice versa. Yep. There's still thoughts that I have about my life and my world right now that if I don't tell you, you can't read my mind and you don't know. That's correct. Yeah. I cannot read your mind. Exactly. And, and sometimes so, you feel like I can, I think. Sometimes it would be a lot easier if you could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, just remember your partner cannot read your mind and it's vulnerable to say, this is what I'm thinking or this is what I want or this is what's important to me rather than just holding on to it and shoving it down somewhere into your stomach and then putting some chocolate on top of that. So, definitely, definitely talk to your partner yeah totally um having the willingness to feel pride or shame in front of your partner yep mm, to actually feel those big emotions it particularly and the full force of it so so shame is one right yeah. shame is one that you'd think would be hard but as aussies pride is another typical hard one as well because we have the tall poppy syndrome yep where we will cut down someone who wants to talk about something they've accomplished and that they're doing well and they're doing great at something. It just reminds me of when I was in high school, there was a saying, and it's not, I don't think it's a saying anymore because, you know, it's 2021, but uh, do you, did anyone say this? Oh, you're on yourself. No. Oh, that means like you love yourself? I know what it yeah. means, okay. but people didn't people say didn't it say in that? high school, oh. no. So, I grew up in Tasmania and Chapo grew up, grew up in New South Wales and this, sometimes the slang is different. And I always am just like, this was a thing in Tasmania. Was it a thing in the rest of the world? <laughs> Um, reaching out to someone that you haven't talked to in a while and you'd like to reconnect with them. That's not necessarily in your marriage, but it could be in your marriage. Like if you've been like giving your partner the cold shoulder and you're waiting for them to make the first move back to connection. Yep. And you're just like, well, it's been three days. Don't know why he hasn't talked to me yet. Yeah. Or vice versa. Like be the person who bridges the gap. That's hard. Yeah, totally. But it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, setting boundaries with love and compassion rather than blaming the other person. Okay. So, this is setting boundaries is a hard thing to do anywhere. I know. Because it's about- uh, Yeah. It's it's a work thing. It's a family thing. It's a friendship thing. It's a something for all relationships, not just with your spouse. It's like with your in-laws, with your um, siblings, you, you know, with what am I willing to, to do and sacrifice of myself to be a part of this thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's totally different. Like, you know, <laughs> pre-marriage, there's all the boundaries that you try to put in place to keep your uh, your sexuality intact, <laughs> like before before you're married, and then you can throw those away as soon as you are, and that's a joyful experience. Say, <laughs> so, boundaries be gone, but boundaries are still really important in all other areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that if we don't have firm boundaries, but somebody keeps doing the thing that they're doing, and we haven't told them otherwise we get resentful and so, we start to blame them for the way that we're feeling that's an icky feeling inside of us yeah. as well. So, we need to put those boundaries in place so that we don't snap back. So, 
talk to me more about this because it's easy to think of boundaries in terms of work-life balance. It's easy to think of boundaries in terms of, um, a, I don't know, an ugly relationship with with someone in your family or whatever. What would that look like with in your marriage? Like, what kind of boundaries would need to be in place between a husband and wife? Because that's I hadn't often thought of that. Like, what boundaries do we have in our marriage mm. for how we we have the best life as two people? That are two individuals, but also one um, in marriage. I guess something could be like, I'm trying to think. I can think of it really easily in terms of the kids. They're constantly violating my boundaries. Um, (laughs) You have a bit more self-control. Like, I know with our middle child, she really, really is like just wants to be touching all the time. And she's really, really almost like understimulated by that. So she seeks it even more. She has a few sensory problems and she wants that sensory input of touch. And sometimes the way that she goes about it is by crashing or putting her full body on you or pressing up against you. And sometimes that's really exhausting and, and you want your personal space. And so then I'll be like, if I don't put it down earlier, and if I just sort of wait and wait and wait and wait, then I just blow up and I'm just like, oh, stop touching me. When I could have just said, okay, mum's going to move over here because you're not respecting my body right now. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like that's, yeah. I can't think of it in terms of our marriage though. I think, yeah. And it would, look, circumstances would differ for everyone's set of needs and, you know, personalities and stuff like that. But maybe it's that, you know, like we just have agreements. Like yeah. I think you really enjoy working out in the morning. And yes. that's something that, that you want me to support and protect that yeah. time that you can do it and to encourage you in that. And would that be considered? Yeah. So an example of that would be, um, I like working out in the mornings, but if I'm not home by a certain time, that is difficult for you. And that makes the rest of the day more difficult for you. So if I'm not back by seven fifteen, the whole morning ends up being yeah. a blowout. I can't walk so the dog and if you don't, don't say, get ready in time and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't say to me, Hey hun, can you be back by seven fifteen? I don't know you're back by seven fifteen. I'm walking in the door at nine. I'm like, Yeah, we we can take this kids to school now. Why isn't their head on? What's going on? Um, do you know what I mean? Like I could just be super casual about it and just be like, Yeah, well, I had a great time. But meanwhile it's put a great burden upon you because I haven't respected you yep. but it also you're feeling resentful because you haven't said this is what i need from you gotcha. both ways does yep. that is that helpful that's a great example cool cool well it's time is for it- a take a break it is time for a break i was gonna say is it break time so stay here with faith fm we'll be back very soon do not boast over me my enemy for my father is the victor Your darkness only makes him brighter He'll make me more than a conqueror When I fall, I will rise again 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 Do not blow over me, my enemy Disappointments push me deeper Into dependence on my father I hold on to him, my helper When I fall, I will rise again 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 Do not rejoice over me my enemy Every 
trial makes me stronger. Every failure makes me wiser. As he refines me in the fire. When I fall, I will rise again. 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 Welcome back to The Marriage Project here on Faith FM. You're here with Chapo and Bethany. And today we are talking about vulnerability in marriage. And we have talked about a bunch of stuff. We've rambled on. We've talked about our own marriage and figured some stuff out in front of you all. What are we talking about next? <laughs> um, we just I've got another one as well that's talking about vulnerability. It's um, that love is uncertain and love is risky. I always say this to people who are looking for a relationship. And they're a bit nervous about putting themselves out there. And I'm just like, love isn't guaranteed. Love is risky. Like, you could decide not to be married to me and I can't control that. My kids could decide, actually, I'm done with you and I'm moving to America and I'm not talking to you anymore. And I have to be, it would break my heart, but I have to decide, am I going to love? And is that love a risk worth taking? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And look, often I'll talk to young Christian people who are so well intentioned. You know, they're really trying to serve God and have a biblical relationship and they're looking forward to marriage, but they're terrified of starting to enter into a dating relationship with someone because they're not sure if it's the person they want to marry. And, or they're like, oh, look, I, I, I don't date just to date, I date to, to marry. I date because that's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. The, the reality is, you don't know. You really like, don't. The people, the, the people that I dated before I was in a relationship with you, I would probably have hoped that, hey, they might become my wife one day. But they didn't. Yeah. Because and through the dating process, we figured out, hey, this isn't actually the best possible thing. Yeah. And when you think about dating as well, like, you don't have to marry somebody if you go and have dinner with them or coffee. It's just having dinner or coffee. That's okay, too. Yeah. Um, but that you have to take a risk, a risk in order to get a reward, in order to get something back. You have to put yourself out there in order to to engage and every, find out, is that person suitable to 100%, me? 100%. Every yeah. relationship is a risk. Yeah. There's no guarantee that it's going to be okay. So, if you're spending your whole time trying to protect yourself from risk, you don't get any reward. Yeah. And you do have to, like, dating is a bit of trial and error. You have to deci- decide whether a person is good in a variety of contexts and if for that sure. is going to work out and for you. Like, you haven't met your future mother-in-law when you first start thinking, oh, he's good looking. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't play out all of the possibilities before it happens. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I remember at college when we were dating while we were still at college, I was like, ah, oh, because it would be, be a break coming up, like a, an end-of-year break where you've got three months off and you're going to be separated for a while. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what happens if we break up during the break? I wonder if she's got any of my stuff that's going to be awkward to have to get back off her later. <laughs> Like, what's Is that what you're happen? always thinking about? I thought about that once. <laughs> I uh, didn't know that. Yeah, because it's like, 
and like, and you live on the same campus, and you've seen other couples that have broken up on campus, so and they awkward. have to avoid each other in the library, and it, and it rips friend groups apart. Ah, oh, yuck! It's so horrible. But like, <laughs> but then you get the success stories like us, oh, <laughs> magical, who made it through the other side <laughs> of college romance and are still married. So it's there's a risk. There you go. You might be shattered on the rocks of college love, or you might be married forever. Forever. Um, so, what I want to say is that risk is part of vulnerability. But once we experience that vulnerability, um, Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. So, all of the good stuff in human relationships comes out of us taking a risk and being vulnerable. Yeah, cool. So, we need Vulnerability. Now, John Gottman, he coined a term marriage masters or masters of marriage. And he compared people who were the masters of marriage to the people who were the disasters of marriage. And he's, oh, I know it's a bit a, sad, isn't a, it? But masters versus disasters. I know. Yeah. It's a catchy catchphrase that he wrote about in one of his books. Um, but he used that word masters of marriage to describe couples who he'd come across in his research that not just enjoyed being married, but thrived in marriage. Right. And he said that these are people that cultivate trust, commitment, responsiveness, and an ability to cherish their partner's feelings throughout a lifetime. And I think we talked about it in a previous episode that a marriage isn't just one commitment, one day, one special occasion, but rather a series of actions over time. And decisions. And decisions, yeah. yeah. It's, and that's the thing with our habits. It's the small things, the small ways that we invest ourselves over time that get the big results that's as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. So... We need vulnerability. And the Bible talks about this naked and unashamed relationship. But then after sin enters the world, after deception, after sin, after man and woman have fallen away from a connection with God, we find that their relationship dynamic changes a bit as well. Can you read Genesis chapter 3 verses 9 and 10? Sure. It says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So that's exact same nakedness, exact same body, exact same person is suddenly afraid when before he was naked and not ashamed. Before they were together and they were naked and they were not ashamed and they were before God and they were living their best life in the garden. And now that they've made a bad choice and they've fallen away from God and they've fallen away from each other, they're naked and afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important picture to remember as well, that when we are naked and unashamed, we're closer to one another and we're closer to God, but when we're naked and shamed and when we're naked and afraid, then we're further apart from one another and further apart from God. Do you think we'll, do you think we'll be naked in heaven? I don't know. If we're, if we're returning to an Eden lifestyle? I'm not sure. I've I've <laughs> wondered this sometimes, long, but-, but yeah, I don't know. And I, I've had some really cool, weird questions from like high schoolers about what heaven's going to be like. Oh, and the truth I have, is, I just really don't know. I have um, so many weird questions from high schoolers <laughs> about what our bodies will be like in heaven <laughs> and what organs we will not need anymore and stuff like that. That's it's a great time. I think they think a lot about bodies and how their bodies work. It's a transition stage of life being 
I really, in adolescence. Yeah, I, I like the, this verse here in 9 to 10 of Genesis 3 and where Adam is saying, I was afraid because of my nakedness, whereas before Adam was, it wasn't just Eve who wasn't ashamed, it was Adam as well. Mm. talks about Adam's willingness to be vulnerable and I just, like, I just want to comment on man? that quickly as a man because yeah, we're talking cool. about this whole vulnerability in marriage thing and I'm sure for... I'm making generalizations here, which I probably shouldn't do, but I would assume that for a lot of the women, it might be easier to hear and think, oh, that's that's a really good thing. For a lot of the blokes, you'd be like, yuck, what kind of sook needs to be open and, you know, because there's been a stigma around male vulnerability for a long time. And you think about, like, Aussie masculinity, like being a bloke. Boys don't cry. Yeah. And and we are conditioned in our genders to respond to emotions differently. Women have a lot more words for emotions and a lot more of an ability to describe their emotions. Um, but men are taught, boys don't cry. Yeah. And so we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> what does Ron Swanson say? Put your tears back in your eyes where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you want to Sorry, I think I maybe cut you off. Did you want to say more about what it means to be no, a man? No, I just think that, that, that? Like, that it's real. like... If you want to have the best possible marriage and if you want to try to emulate that um, blueprint for a great marriage from Eden, from Adam and Eve, it's it's your being vulnerable as well. It's not yeah. just your wife's job. It's not just the lady's job to um, to, to, to have the feelings and to yeah. be willing to talk about them. And to, and to initiate those hard conversations. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to be open and, and to be responsible for connection in yeah. relationship. Yeah. Talk about your feelings before you get angry about them. You know, mm. be open about the things that are upsetting you or making you feel rejected or smaller or whatever it is before you just res- resort to um, uh, macho, angry, whatever. Yeah. Um, because as human beings, male or female, we're hardwired for connection. We have a deep belonging, belonging need right from infancy where we want to be connected to another human being. And that's our natural state as human beings. And when we are connected deeply to other human beings, we live better lives. We live longer lives. We have less cases of dementia and we have better physical health. Did you know that? I didn't it, know Connection's that. really good for us. So, blokes, it's good for your health. So, do it. Yeah. Um, but what happens when you get hurt or rejected? You retreat. Mm. And you be quiet and you put up walls. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what I do. Yeah. Brene Brown calls it like armoring up, like Does you put she? your armor on. I didn't know on. what Brene Brown said. I'm just thinking of my own yeah, yeah. life. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you either, yeah, you do what it takes to protect yourself when you feel hurt or rejected. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're doing that in our marriage, we're never going to get to that deeper le- level of naked and unashamed. So, there's a few roadblocks to, to being vulnerable in a relationship. Poor communication is one of them where one partner or both just they have no idea how to put their feelings into words, so they just don't talk about it. Yeah. Or maybe when they do talk about it, they just are shooting over the top of each other because they're blasting cannons rather than just talking like human beings to one another with yeah. kindness and empathy and connection. Yeah, or immediately on the defence. I find if you're on the defence in a conversation, you can't hear what's being said because you're already just trying to formulate your next point Yep. So you never you never get heard. Yeah, you never hear each other. Absolutely, and we've just, talked about before about um, stonewalling as well, like yeah. that just full emotional shutdown where you're just like, I need to leave, and I can't be a part of this conversation anymore. And that happens sometimes as an emotional response in an argument to some people in a couple relationship. Sure. Um, which out of people who do that, who do stonewall, eighty five percent of them are male. So not eighty five percent of men stonewall, but eighty five percent of the people who stonewall are men. 
Okay. Yeah. We need to take a quick break. Do we? We're going to come back. We're going to finish talking about these roadblocks of vulnerability. Yep. And then wrap things up for this afternoon. Wrapping it up. Stick with us here on Faith FM. Hey everyone, we're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Bracky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. Welcome back to The Marriage Project on Faith FM. I'm Bethany, and you're also sitting here with Chapo. And, well, I don't know if you're sitting or standing, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I don't know what you're doing. I hope whatever you're doing, you're thinking about your marriage, and you're just like, yes, it's going to be great, and I'm going to invest in my marriage. Or your future marriage. You know, I have this. Um, I have an intern that works with me, and she is a great pastor, but she doesn't listen to our show because she's not married, and she thinks that it's not relevant for her. It is for married people, <laughs> Chapo. But we've said some things about pre-marriage and some of the things to think about. I would like to do a whole um, a whole afternoon one time for the folks who aren't yet married. Oh, do you know what's funny, though? Because, like, your marriage relationship is the, your most deep and connected version of a relationship. But you have relationships in your workplace, in your family, in other places that need work as well. And some of the pointers you could take home, like, after I did the Gottman therapy course, I thought, oh, I really need to sit down with your sisters and and they should do some marriage counselling <laughs> so that they can be nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, girls. Um, but we need to just continue on track here with the, what are the roadblocks of vulnerability? Yes. So, roadblocks of vulnerability are um, – we talked about poor communication. The next one is unresolved emotional differences. Maybe you've got anger or hurt or resentment and it is just bubbling away under the surface. And you haven't had the trust or the sense of being accepted by your partner to actually let it out and to talk to them about it. Yep. So, we've talked before about resentment is the thing that corrodes marriage. It's the most toxic poison that that will destroy marriage and, and all this stuff, I think, is what leads to resentment. All that stuff that just is left to bubble away under the surface and never brought to see the light of day. Yeah. And if you've got anger or hurt or resentment or a lack of trust underneath you're just never going to quite get to intimacy. You're never going to quite get to that naked and unashamed state of being connected man and woman. That's right. Um, practical difficulties. Sometimes life is full of stress. There is pressure at work. There is worries about money. You have parenting differences or one of your kids is struggling and you're concerned about that child or you're just straight up too busy or too tired to connect. And yeah. when you do that over the long haul, you find yourselves drifting away from each other. We have felt that. Yeah. I can I totally can relate to that one. It was in other words, and then I reread it in what it felt like to be in that space. Because, <laughs> it, yeah, you definitely can drift apart when life gets stressful and you need to take those moments, intentional moments, to reconnect back together again. Um, and another one that's really important, and if you haven't already, and this is one for you, I really recommend seeing a licensed therapist because it is super helpful for you as a person to grow and flourish, but also in your marriage. The, the, the sad result and the terrifying thing about being a parent is that, like, the first 10 years of your life shape who you are for the rest of your life. Mm. Childhood trauma or, or any, even just things that you pick up as a kid as normal or whatever, it really has a huge impact on the way that you live the rest of your life, the way that you feel about certain things, respond to certain emotions. So many different things are based on that. And sometimes there's some things there that need to get 
sorted out so that you can be the best version of yourself. That's right. So if you have any adverse child experiences, if there's things from your past that keep popping up from you or that are sort of like part of your subconscious and cause negativity for you, um, if you've experienced that hurt or abuse as a child, then it's hard to trust and really build intimacy with your current partner. So definitely seek a licensed therapist if you haven't already, if you've got that in your background. And a lot of people do. And you can love so much better when you work through some of those things. Yep. I um I read an analogy about it that it was like everybody is a garden, but as a child you don't get to choose what is planted in your garden. That's right. Other people plant it for you. Um, but as an adult you can go through that garden and say, actually, these are weeds and I don't want them in here anymore and I'm going to get them out. Yep. Hmm. Look, and, and therapy can be expensive. Mm. But I truly believe, and the last thing I want to do is put shame or guilt on people that can't afford it or can't fit it into their life right now. That's not my intention in any way, shape, or form. I get it. Things that life is hard just in general. But for me to do my best to be okay, and as someone who's had like a history of mental health and has a family history of tragic mental health, um, being the best version of myself means that I can show up for you in the best possible way and we can have the best marriage possible and we can be the best parents possible. Like it's actually, it feeds into everything. Any any money that you spend on your brain and getting your brain figured out to work well is money well spent. Get your brain fixed. That's great. That's good advice. And I agree as well because I've had some adverse child experiences that I need to work out so that I don't project that into our relationship as well. Um, and I just, as we're wrapping up, I want to think about that we've talked about vulnerability today. We're talking about building that naked and unashamed relationship rather than the naked and afraid relationship that we want to connect with one another, build intimacy, build trust, and to open ourselves right up, even though that's scary sometimes. And I've got one more quote from Brene Brown. Are you ready for it? I am ready. Are you ready? Okay. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged and healed and rare. And wow. I thought that was really beautiful. Acknowledged, healed, and rare, which yeah. means it's not the it's not the norm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weed, but not the whole garden. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really cool. beautiful. And the way, it, fit, it fit well into my gardening analogy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, care for your personal garden. Dig out the weeds. Do some healing. Do some of the hard work. Acknowledge that they're there. Also care for your relationship with your partner and think about what do we want to grow together? What do we want to plant together? How do we want to grow in love? Because you're not just two people who have your own separate gardens. You're also grafted together and you're building one tree and one family and one strong unit of marriage together. You know, I was just about to say, give the people a charge this afternoon, but you just did. Did I? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in with us on Faith FM today and we look forward to seeing you next time. See ya. See ya.